this afternoon to hear about how you can go on a trip this summer. And you know, I, I, if you've never been on a trip, you need to go at least one time in your lifetime, at least once. And uh, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a event, it's, a, it's something that will change you, it will change your perspective. You'll get a, uh, just a new sense of God's heart like you've never known before. And so uh, this afternoon, um, yeah, you have a chance after the service to hear about what that could look like and ask any questions, and, and uh, it'll be really good. So I encourage you, if there's something tugging down here that just might be the Holy Spirit saying, hey, at least go listen and hear what, what this is all about. So that's right after service. All right, today we are wrapping up our series on miracles by looking at how God has the power to rescue He has the power to save, the power to protect. Scripture declares, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Psalms says, God's your guardian right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke, sheltering you from moonstroke. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. Our God is a God who protects. Can I get an amen this morning? All right, all right. You're here. You're live. Awesome. Awesome. Um, When I was about eight years old, I was in a situation that could have actually been pretty deadly. Uh, I grew up, uh, part of my growing up took place on the very far north side of Vancouver Island up in British Columbia. And uh, if you're a fan of the the show Alone, I don't know if any of you are fans of Alone, but if you've seen uh, Alone, season one was actually filmed about a 25-minute boat ride from where I grew up. And if you've seen the show, you know that there's a lot of bears, there's a lot of wolves, there's a lot of cougars. In fact, in that first season, two of the the guys tapped out because of bears, and one of them tapped out because of, of wolves. And to this day, it's the only place that I've ever seen a cougar out in the wild. It's kind of a dangerous place. It's very remote. And uh, well, one day, my dad and some men from the church, they were involved in a, a, a building project that was part of our church. And so they were way out in the bush down some old logging road about 10, 15 miles out of town. And uh, they were cutting some wood. And whenever they would go on these trips, uh, if we had a day off of school, me and my two brothers... We would take along with them. Well, on this particular day, me and my two brothers and one of our friends, all of us boys between the ages of six and ten, we went out with them on this, this trip way out into the bush. And while the men worked, us boys would just go off on adventures. We'd be playing in the forest, doing all the things that young boys uh, like to do. Well, at some point during the day, my older brother went to our friend's dad and asked if we could start walking home. Now remember, we're 10 miles out in the, it's the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's, it's already north in the Vancouver Island is the middle of nowhere, but we're like logging roads. We're way out in the middle of nowhere. And to our shock, my friend's dad responded with a yes. A response, and this is important to the story, that my friend's dad did not remember giving. <laughs> but whatever he said, my brother heard yes, and so off we went trudging down this road in bear-infested, cougar-infested, wolf-infested wilderness, walking the 10 miles back into town with nobody knowing that we had left. Well, later in the day, uh, it, was the, it was time for the guys to start heading home, and so they went to go start rounding up us boys, and they couldn't find us anywhere. 
And so they hollered and they were hollering for us. Nobody was answering. Um, they actually started, there was a, a white water river that was not too far from where they're getting this, this wood. And so they went down, they looked around and they thought, okay, there's no way all four of these boys fell into the river at the same time, but it became a possibility. Um, they started to walk down the road and uh, occasionally they would see someone coming the, the direction from town and they would they'd flag them down and ask, hey, have you seen four boys walking down the road? And nobody had seen us. We had just completely disappeared. Well, there was a reason why nobody saw us on the road. And uh, it was because us four boys who uh, spent every Tuesday night back in the day watching the A-team. Any A-team fans in the room today? We weren't just walking down the road. We made a game out of this whole thing. And so we were the good guys. And every vehicle that we heard coming down the road, they were the bad guys. And so when we heard a, a truck coming down the road, we would dodge into the bush as fast as we could and we'd hide there and we'd peek out of the bush and make sure that the bad guys couldn't see us. Well, this game went on for hours and after a while the game got really fun because it was no longer just ordinary trucks coming down the road. Now it was police trucks coming down the road <laughs> and the police trucks had their lights on and so we would just dodge into the bush pretty soon. Not long after that, we weren't just dodging police trucks. Now we were dodging what looked like rescue helicopters flying over <laughs> above the sky. It was amazing. We were just, we were having the time of our lives, and none of us had a clue that this had turned into a full-fledged search and rescue mission trying to find us four boys. Well, after, after I don't know how many hours of walking, uh, we were just about into town, and uh, we couldn't believe that we had made it this far. And we were, I just remember thinking, okay, where are all the dads? Like, this is awesome. <laughs> but just as we were about to come into town, all of a sudden my friend's mom, he's, he was the youngest guy of us, about six years old. My friend's mom comes bombing around the corner, comes screeching to a halt. She comes flying out of the car, tears streaming down her face, embraces her young son. It was a very tender moment, but a perplexing moment for all of us boys because we were going, what in the world is, is happening here. Well, we had been rescued, and uh, we didn't even know it at the time. <laughs> Have you ever had a moment in your life where, where God protected or rescued you? Um, sometimes these moments where God comes along and rescues us or protects us are moments that, where, where you just know that God is protecting you. So maybe you get in a car wreck and you, uh, you, you somehow are able to get out of that wreck and as you're walking away and you turn around and look at your car, you're going, there's no way I should have walked away from that. Or maybe you were in a relationship and at the time the breakup was devastating, but years later when you look back, you know that God was in it protecting you from that disaster, whatever her or his name is or was. Um, when my daughter Presley was two, we actually watched a car literally screeched to a halt just like inches away from her small body. Um, but then there are the times in our lives where God protects us and we don't necessarily know that God has protected us. Um, four small boys wandering through dangerous country and uh, for hours and not one bad thing happens to us. You get stuck at the train tracks waiting for a train. Never happens in Ferndale, right? 
and, and you're, you're frustrated and you're annoyed. And it's one of those trains at the granary. You know, you, you pull up there and, and you see the, the thing going down and the, you're, just, you're hoping the train comes flying down the tracks, but you're sitting there and all of a sudden it just comes slowly to the crossing and it stops right there. And just as you're about to pull it in reverse and go down Main Street, someone comes and blocks you in and you're just annoyed, you're frustrating, frustrated, and you're stuck. And you're late for something all of a sudden. And, but you never know. Maybe, maybe God had you there because he wanted to protect you from something that might have happened on the highway. Maybe he wanted to protect you from a meeting that you were going to be a part of. And you're no longer going to get that job. That job that if you had known what it was going to be like, you'd be like, okay, I don't want that job. It, was, it would have been terrible. But God was protecting you and, and you didn't even know it. God protects. And there are miracles of protection that are recorded all throughout the Bible. You have this guy, Daniel, who gets thrown into the lion's den because he, he prays. And God comes along and he shuts the lion's mouth. You have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these guys that refuse to bow down to this idol. And so they get thrown into a fiery furnace. God comes along and is there with them and they are protected. The Bible says not even one hair on their head got singed. Then the Israelites, they're hemmed in at the Red Sea. Pharaoh's armies come in rushing in. There's nowhere to go. But God comes and he parts the, the Red Sea and opens up a path for them. Scripture, as, as well as personal experience, I'm sure we could go around this room and tell stories similar to the one that I had, but Scripture in our own personal experience attests to the reality and the truth that we serve a God who can miraculously protect, rescue, and save. But like healing, you know, we talked about healing a few weeks ago. Whenever we start talking about the miracle of God's protection, there's, there's this tension because there are times when he doesn't protect quite like we want him to protect. Um, a lot of you have seen the, the video footage coming out of Turkey and Syria this last week and just some crazy stuff. Um, I saw this one video where there was this, uh, this dad that was just buried in the rubble and the, the rescue workers are pulling this dad out. Who, he, was, he was no longer alive. But the dad, in his final moment, had, had like covered over his, his like four- or five-year-old son. So they pull the dad out, and then they reach down and grab this kid, slowly pull him out, thinking he's dead. And he just, he's, his face is caked with dust, and his eyes open. And everybody just starts hollering and shouting because this kid has survived and he should have never survived. I mean, miracle after miracle after miracle as, as you're, you're watching what's happened in the, as a result of all this earthquake that has happened. But then you're also going, okay, well, but what about the other 33,000 people? A number that's, that's quickly climbing higher and higher. There's this tension between a God who can miraculously save, rescue, he can come along and protect on that side, but then on the other hand, there's this tension because our circumstances don't always go the way that we think that, that they should. And what are we to make of this? Yes, he is almighty God. Yes, he has the power to protect and rescue and save, but then there are times where it, it seems like he doesn't. How do we respond when his protection seems to be withheld? And to help, to help us understand, I want to look at the story of two guys in the Bible, Paul and Silas. And uh, these two guys were in a situation where God didn't protect them like they would have preferred he did. And just to give you a little bit of context to the story, it happened like this. Paul was one of the, the first missionaries in uh, the Bible. 
Um, he, he did what the ladies are, are going to be doing. We prayed over. They, he didn't just kind of stay. He, he went, and he went all over the ancient Middle East, and he went to all these different countries. Well, he ends up in a city called Philippi, and in the city of Philippi, there's a demon-possessed girl who has this, this ability, because of the demons in her, to be able to tell the, the to just fortune tell for her owners. Well, this girl is following along behind Paul and Silas, and she starts hollering in a really annoying way. This went on day after day after day, and eventually Paul just has had enough. And so he turns around, and kind of this crazy story, he turns around, he rebukes the demon, the demon leaves, and all of a sudden, these guys that, that, that owned her, all of a sudden, their revenue stream dries up. And we're going to take the story from there. The Bible says when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the, the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd, again, everybody kind of stirred up here, the, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Now, this is the moment where you want God to step in. This is the moment where you want God to come along, almighty God, power to protect, power to save, power to rescue. You want him to, to come in with the angels. You know, this is where you want the cavalry to come riding in. Maybe send a horde of like killer locusts or something to get the bad guys. I don't know. I don't know why locusts either, but, but no, God withholds protection. The Bible goes on to say, after they had been severely flogged, that's like with whips and beaten, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So just to recap, Paul and Silas loved Jesus. They loved Jesus so much that they said yes to going out on this mission trip to this place that they'd never been to before. They head out. They say yes. While they're there, amazing things are happening. People are being set free, but not everybody likes it. And, and, and uh, rather than Paul and Silas being protected, as, as everybody gets upset, Paul and Silas are unjustly attacked. They're stripped. They're severely beaten. And as if that wasn't bad enough, they're thrown into prison in the inner cell where it's the coldest and it's the darkest, and they have their hands and their feet placed in stocks. Now, if you've been around the church, you know how this story ends, right? But for now, let's just kind of sit in this moment with Paul and Silas. They don't know how this ends. They're in pain. They're unjustly prisoned. And there's a ton of uncertainty in their minds about how this is going to end. Now, this isn't like today where they're just going to get some kind of nice uh, court hearing or whatever. No, they, th this, is, this is ancient Rome where it's just not, not good. And Almighty God could have stepped in and delivered them, but He doesn't. And there are some of you here today, listening online, who you haven't been stripped and beaten in the sense that you've had your clothes stripped off you and you've been beaten with fists and clubs and whips like Paul and Silas had, but you've been stripped of other things. Maybe there's somebody here, you, you once had hope, but after all the hardship that's come your way, you've been stripped of that hope. Or somebody else, you once had so much love in your family, but then things were said, relationships got broken, 
Distance has formed. Joy and connection just rarely happens anymore. You've been stripped of the love that you once had. Maybe you were hit by a financial crisis at some point. Maybe this last year you looked at your 401k and you're like, what in the world is going on here? And you've been stripped of that financial security that you once had. Maybe there's somebody else that you just had this faith. You, you knew who God was and you were, just, you were serving him. You had so much trust. But then life came along, beat you up, and, and you're just not sure about God anymore. And in your soul, it feels like you've been fighting it out in the ring and you're going, I don't know how many more rounds that I can take of this. In the middle of it all, life doesn't seem fair. And if we're honest in those situations, God doesn't seem fair. And this is where, where Paul and Silas find themselves. And how do they respond? Well, they do exactly what happens today in these situations. First thing they do is they, they drop out of their small group. Then they, they stop praying. And the next thing, they're like, okay, we're not tithing anymore. Like, 475 a month, the, the least God can do is, like, come through and protect us. And no, that's a car payment. We're not tithing anymore. Then they get so mad that they even stop listening to Praise 106.5. And they're like, okay, we're just going to start listening to all the worldly stations from Canada from now on. Like, no more of that. And then finally, they just stop going to church. I mean, they're like, no, we're not going to do this anymore. Of course, that's not quite how things went. Um, but their response, listen to what their response was. Instead of doing all of that, instead of pulling away from God, instead of, instead of pulling out of community like, like we so often tend to do, the Bible says this. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas, remember now they're in pain? Their back is torn to shreds. It's raw. They are hurting but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. You see, God hadn't given them their, their, their miracle of protection, and yet they worshiped. And yet they worshiped. They chose to trust God. Like we talked about a few weeks back, they chose to anchor their faith not in what God does, but in who God is. It's different. Their faith was not anchored and what God does or doesn't do. Their faith was anchored in who God is. You see, they knew that whether or not God came through for them, it didn't change the truth that God is good, that God is faithful, that God is love, that God is for them, not against them. And the truth of the situation was that God was still sitting on his throne. He was still working all things together for their good. His plans and purposes were going to prevail. And even though a few moments ago God didn't give them a miracle, he was about to break through in an extraordinary, miraculous way. The Bible says that suddenly, I love this about God, he could take a really bad situation and suddenly flip it around. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and all at, at, at once all the prison doors flew open Everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Let's pray that those moments happen this week with the ladies heading down to Mexico that people will be coming to them and saying, hey, what's going on here? What do I got to do to have what you have? What do I have to do to have the light that's in you? What do I have to do to be saved? 
And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. There's a few things that I just really believe that God wants us to see here. First thing is this, faith. Faith is worshiping God even when circumstances don't go according to our plan. Faith is worshiping God even when our circumstances don't go according to plan. You see, a lot of times, we, if you're around the church at all, you know faith is, is it's belief, it's belief and trust in a God that we can't see, right? You can't have, you, you can't believe in God or follow God unless you, it starts with faith. You believe what you can't see. It's this faith and it's, it's, this, this, it's this trust. It's all of that, but it's, it's more than that. It's choosing to believe and trust in Him even when your circumstances are telling you that maybe He can't be trusted or Maybe he's not good, or maybe he's, he's not faithful. Maybe he's not who he says that he is. And Paul and Silas had a lot of opportunity to, to, to be in that place as they just faced all this hardship, but they chose to believe that God is who he says he is. And a mature, strong faith is a faith that worships God even in the middle of difficult, challenging circumstances. It's believing that he will bring good out of whatever it is that you're going through. It's believing, like we were saying earlier on, all of my life, in every season, he is still God. I have a reason to sing and worship. Every season. Every single season. That's the first thing. Faith is worshiping God even when circumstances don't go according to plan. Second thing, God doesn't promise to always protect us. He doesn't. But he does promise that he's always going to be with us. He doesn't, all, he doesn't promise that he's always going to protect us, but he does promise to always be with us. And, and let's just be honest this morning. You know, we live in a culture that is addicted. I think, I think you could say addicted. We're addicted to safety and comfort. It's just so high up on the priority list. You know, what, what do we, what's, what's the thing that we pray all the time? God, Lord, protect and watch over us as we drive to Edeline Dairy to get ice cream this afternoon. Because, because Ferndale, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just the streets are so perilous. Lord, protect the kids as they play in the cul-de-sac with their helmets and their knee pads and their neon vests and their walkie-talkies to the house that's just 20 feet away. Now, I know that I'm a part of the lawn dart generation, but <laughs> let's be serious. I mean, things have gotten a little bit too far, a little bit out of hand um, in this day and age. You know, if your number one concern is safety, you are going to have a very hard time being a follower of Jesus. I just put that out there today. I don't know if you've ever read your Bible. Um, God calls men and women to venture out into unknown territory. You've got a good example of, of that live and in person this morning. God calling people out to uh, a, a, just a, a place that some of them have never been before. Um, God leads entire nations so we read in the Bible, he reads entire nations to go into battle where men and women are going to die. He calls Daniel and these other three guys to serve him, even though they're going to be put in a dangerous situation, thrown into a lion's den. Paul and Silas follow Jesus into this mission field. They get thrown into jail. Jesus himself gets nailed to a cross. You know, every person who was protected was following God into some very dangerous territory. And in our culture, that is all, already so, has, has propped up safety and comfort to be this idol that God never 
called it to be. And I'm not saying go let the kids play on the freeway this morning. But we've, we've made comfort and we've made safety this God in our lives that can get in the way of following Jesus where he leads us to go. That's not what God asked us to do. We can't bubble wrap, bubble wrap ourselves at home and claim God's protection. God doesn't always promise to protect us, but he does, he does promise that he's always going to be with us. And that's what we stand on. That's what, that's what anchors us. That, that's what holds us fast. And then third and last thing is this. When our eyes only see the problem we're in, God sees the solution that's on the way. Our eyes just see the problems, the, the situation that's not good, and maybe it's bad, challenging, difficult, and that's all we see. But God sees the bigger picture, and he sees, he sees the, the solution that's on the way. He, he sees that he's sending a flood, but he's got Noah building an ark. He sees that Jonah's going to be tossed over the side of that boat into the, the ocean, but he's already got that fish swimming, swimming that way. Israel is backed up against the Red Sea, but Moses has a staff, and he's not afraid to use it. He's going to use it. Paul and Silas are locked there in the jail, but God already sees how the tectonic plates under the earth are in just the right place at just the right time because God's about to send an earthquake that's going to open that jail and set them free. And I don't know the situation that you find yourself in today. Maybe it just has your, your vision just as like, it's, it's all you can see is the, the, the thing that's happening around you and you just wish that things would be different, that God would come to your rescue and save you from that situation right there in that moment. And, and, and I don't know what it looks like. Maybe you see how God's been protecting you, but maybe you don't. Maybe you're just simply feeling stripped and beaten and questioning, okay, God, where, where are you? And you need to know that, that God is with you God is coming to the rescue. I don't know what the rescue looks like, but God is coming to save. And it might look different than how we would want it to see, but, but God is there. And the only question is, will you trust him enough to worship him right where you're at? Will you trust him enough? With everything going on in your life, maybe it's in your work, maybe it's with your family, maybe it's, maybe it's a health situation, maybe it's I don't know, but with everything that, that is going on around you, the question is, okay, are we going to come to a place where we just, we choose to put our faith and trust in Jesus and to worship him in the middle and through everything that's going on? And when you do that, God is lifted high. And when you do that, God, is, God, God has a way of coming in and taking that situation and changing your perspective on it, bringing you peace, bringing you hope, bringing you a spirit of worship even if you're in prison, like we see with Paul and Silas, he, brings, he just brings a, a, a peace that you could never have. And this morning, as we wrap up, um, I'm going to have the worship team come. And I, I want to pray a prayer over you this morning that is actually found in Psalm 144. And it's a prayer of deliverance. It's a prayer of rescue. But even more than that, it's a prayer that we would stay anchored in who Jesus is no matter what's going on around, around us. Would you pray with, with me this morning? Lord, I, I just want to lift this, this time up to you. And Lord, every person here, God, this morning, all those watching online, God, who are in the middle of something in their lives where, God, maybe like Paul and Silas, they, 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 if they could have their preference, they would go, I wish it hadn't gotten to this place. I wish that God would have stepped in sooner. I wish that he would have come to the rescue at a, at, a, at a point where it didn't cause so much pain and so much hardship. But God, for whatever reason, reasons, God, that we may never know in this lifetime, 
God, you haven't come through in the timing that would have been preferred. And so, God, I want to pray, Lord, that, that Jesus in that place, God, you would come in and, and God, bring a peace. God, I, I just pray, Lord, this psalm that, God, that, Lord, open the heavens and come down. Touch the mountains so they billow smoke. Hurl your lightning bolts and scatter your enemies. Shoot arrows and confuse them. Reach down from heaven and rescue. Rescue from deep waters from the power of our enemies. Their mouths are full of lies. They swear to tell the truth, but they lie instead. God, I pray that you would rescue. And God, maybe the rescue that's, that's, that's coming is not a rescue to, from, from circumstances. Maybe the rescue is going to take place entirely in, inside of men, women, and students' soul. You're going to rescue from fear. You're going to rescue from doubt. You're going to rescue from hopelessness. You're going to rescue from despair. But God, I invite you and ask that you would come and rescue. And then God, I pray that, that in that, God, the rest of this psalm, God, would be true. Where we'd be able to say, I will sing a new song to you, O God. I will sing your praises for you grant victory to kings. You rescued your servant David from the fatal sword. Save me. Rescue me from the power of my enemies. God, would you do that? Would you do that? Would you do that? God, even right now in this moment, I pray, God, that you would come to the rescue. God, may your salvation, may the truth of who you are, your faithfulness, your goodness, God, may it be, may it just resonate inside of our hearts and souls, I pray. And then, God, I pray that we as your, your people, God, may we be people that, that follow you wherever you lead. God, may we be people that don't, God, elevate, make an idol out of safety and comfort to the point where we say no to where you're asking us to go, where we say no to what you're asking us to do. God, you are constantly calling us to a, a, a place, God, that's, that's dangerous. God, there might be students in this room today who you're, you're asking them to stand up for you in some way at school with their friends, and they know it's going to be dangerous. They know that on the other side of that is going to come rejection and ridicule and, and who knows what else. But God, you're, you're calling them. God, it might look similar to someone in their workplace. God, you, you constantly lead us. And, and I pray, Jesus, that, Lord, we would we'd be a people that is, is not clinging to safety and comfort to the point where we say no to you, where we refuse you. But, God, we, may we be people who, who, who cling to you, who cling to the truth that you're with us. God, no matter what trouble we face, no matter what hardship or danger lies ahead, God, you are with us. You're our help. You're our shield. You're our comfort. Help us to be those kinds of people, I pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time that we've had together. God, I thank you so much for the way you're calling us as a church to be people who believe in miracles and not just believe, but people who ask for miracles. And God, we thank you for all the miracles that you've been doing, God, in our lives. And we pray, God, that we would just hear story after story of you continuing to work miracles in us and through us, all for the glory of your great name, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Hey, it's been so good to have you out this morning, and, and uh, we're actually going to close our time together by singing about the goodness of God. Such a good song for us to sing as we head out today. Such a good song to sing if you're here questioning God's protection or questioning where God is or questioning why this or why that. 
it's, a, it's an opportunity for you just to declare and be like Paul and Silas and say, I don't know. I don't know why things are going the way they are, but despite all that, I'm going to worship. I'm going to sing praise to Jesus. So as we sing this last song, we're also going to give you an opportunity to give back to God tithes and offering. And so Bucket's going to go down your row in a second. Um, if you're a guest, there's zero pressure to give this morning. Something that we do as a uh, church family do is to say, Jesus, everything we have, ultimately it's, it's yours and belongs to you. And we just give back to you a little bit of how you blessed us. So let's stand this morning. Let's head out today into our week just declaring the goodness of God. God bless.